Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Father James Gross, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, pleased to join you again today from our studios in the near Southside Historic District of beautiful downtown Grand Forks. And joined once again for the first time in quite some time by my uh, colleague, a fellow priest of the Diocese, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning. Good morning, Father Gross. Great to be with you. It's Yeah, you did. Uh, how was vacation and time off? Did uh, go well for you? Yes, yes, it was very nice. I uh, headed out uh, headed out west for a while, and uh, by west, I mean uh, western North Dakota and Montana. God's and, country. Uh, absolutely, yes, yes, and so I really enjoyed that. I was I was moonlighting in your absence and had to bring in some, you know, some, yeah, you know, just, you know, bullpen, you know, Father Moan and, and Father Epler, but we, we, we scrapped it together in your absence. It, it wasn't nearly the same. It's quite different, but <laughs> in its own way, it was a version of great. Right, right. So. And to quote the uh, R&B group Peaches and Herb, reunited, and it feels so good. So it's great <laughs> to see you here across the table in our Grand Forks studio today. And uh, before we do anything else, would you uh, be so kind as to lead us in a moment of prayer, Father? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you we glorify you. May we be your great glory. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life, into our hearts, our minds, our imaginations, our memories, into our very beings. Awaken all of our spiritual faculties. Help us to hear your word this morning, uh, to receive your word and be transformed by it. We ask all this through Christ our Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Pray for us. Yes, today is the memorial of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. And uh, just uh, I was looking something up just out of curiosity. Everybody, of course, thinks of the large breed of dog, the St. Bernard. And, and why is it that they are often portrayed with a barrel attached to their collar? Well, here's the story behind that. They were often sent out to rescue people who might be trapped in avalanches in the Swiss Alps. And within the bra- within the barrel was some sort of like a flask of brandy, which was believed to keep a person warm until such time as help came to, to find them. Okay, not to be outdone by your story of the barrel of brandy, I just found out recently why... Traditionally, you play 18 holes of golf. Why 18 holes is considered instead a of, of golf. 10, 20, or it, whatever, nine or 18 or 20. So, it's because a fifth of scotch contains 18 shots. So, traditionally, what they do. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> I'm not, I'm not making this up. Traditionally, they, do, they, would, they would take a shot of scotch, they'd play the hole, and then tell the fifth was gone. And imagine what your score was. On the I was going to say, yeah, that that shot off the 18th uh, <laughs> off the tee there, you know, was going arrow straight, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just, you know, this okay. is, uh, you know, this we are plumb full of just enlightenment today. 
<laughs> Heaven only knows what you're going to learn when you tune in to Real Presence Live with Father Gross and Father Leffer. So, um, and I just want to mention very quickly that uh, at the bottom of the hour, we will have our straight talk segment. So if you want to have that phone number ready, it is 1-877-795-0122. And questions can also be submitted on our Real Presence Radio Facebook page. But first, uh, let's go ahead and turn things over to our first guest who is joining us from studio in Fargo, Stella Jeffrey. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thank you, Father. I guess both fathers. Good morning to everyone else. <laughs> Good morning, Stella. And um, in, I guess um, in uh, full disclosure, I should probably mention from the start that uh, uh, dear uh, Ms. Stella and I grew up about 10 miles apart from each other near the town of Napoleon. And so we've known each other since we were uh, knee-high to a toadstool, you might say. Uh, and um, so uh, th- uh, forgive us listeners if we um, uh, deviate into certain things you know, from our local experience, but... Um, yeah, who would have thought that all these many years later, you and I, Stella, would be a part of uh, an exercise like this, like an interview on Catholic Radio. God is good. Absolutely. And I thought of, Father, as you started, I thought, and this man started off in radio broadcasting in high school, and he was good. He's so we're good. so glad you're here <laughs> using your good. gifts. He, He's still good, exactly. He, he, we all try to be. We try to emulate Father Gross when we work on uh, Catholic radio. Oh my goodness! No, just, just look at this halo glowing. Here. How yeah. how God can work even when we don't even know He's preparing you for this kind of ministry. So it's incredible to think back on those days. Absolutely. So um, as we begin here, would you uh, mind uh, telling us? Uh, uh, a little bit about yourself and what it is that you are uh, that you're doing these days. All right, I was born in Strasbourg, grew up in Napoleon, like you shared. I was dairy farmer's daughter, and my parents. Um, and I grew up in the St. Boniface area, and so it was a very nice Catholic area. Um, I had, I suppose, several different experiences as I was going through life from the military to going to school and then also working in parishes and on evangelization teams. I finished up my doctorate degree this summer, so I'm quite excited about that. And I am currently working at Holy Spirit Parish in Fargo, North Dakota. So Stella, did it take the coronavirus to get you to finish that doctorate? I actually finished on, I guess my defense was on May 4th, but I had finished at the end of February so I finished just on time to stay home some more. How, how many How many years did it take you? Because I know this this was a thing that you really put yourself into, and it was challenging. Uh, it again, kind of an on and off. There was several interruptions along the way, but probably mm-hmm. all total from start to finish over ten years. Um, not full time, but uh, probably full time. It well, it probably boils down to like seven or eight years. It, it's a big work, and I love the institute. It's the John Paul II Institute for Person, Marriage, and Family. I got an incredible education there, and uh, person, marriage, and family, that about covers everything that is, almost. What was the thesis that you developed? I, my dissertation was on redemptive anthropology. In simple language, it would be how we are made for Jesus Christ. You know, that from the beginning, it always was intended that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to share in the divine life or the Trinitarian life that we've been made to be a part of. And then I drew it from mostly from um, St. Paul's letters. 
So Stella, as we our our topic this morning, we really want to delve into is evangelization. And as you were giving us a little intro in your background, I had this flashback memory that maybe could you because you know evangelization has always been a passion of yours, but I have this memory of you. I think it was the Opening Doors, Opening Hearts campaign. I think it was, but I have this memory of you and a team of others going canvassing Fargo door to door, knocking on doors. Is that am I having an accurate memory here of you and as a young lady? I don't know which memory that is because I have been on several door-to-door teams here in Fargo and it continues to be one of the ways that God has used me is to just go out to strangers. Not that every single person is called to that, but I've had many opportunities to do it and I have great stories from those so, so adventures. Tell tell our listeners here, what would cause somebody to get to a point <laughs> where you'd go door-to-door knocking on strangers and telling them about Jesus? How do, how do you get born with that that uh, personality quirk. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't raised that way. I grew up in North Dakota, just like probably many of our listeners, or at least in the upper Midwest. And I, I'm just going to say that the Holy Spirit just took a hold of my heart when I was around 18, 19 years old. And already at that time, my thought was, I can't squander my life. I need to keep talking about this tremendous gift of God's love and how the life that we currently think is what we're stuck in, we don't need to be stuck in that. We've been made for greatness. We've been made for holiness. And I don't know that I had all those terms, but my plan was I'll just take my guitar and go from church to church, and maybe the Knights of Columbus could help me out. Uh, Thankfully, I got tied in with a team called the National Evangelization Team, or NET for short, Mm -hmm. Um, and they made life a little more simple because they already had organized traveling from town to town and putting on retreats. And um, I think that later on I became more inserted into Scripture and came across that passage about uh, a millstone being hung around our neck, and it'd be better for a millstone to be hung around our neck than to lead a little one astray. And I remember thinking of that in light of um, the gifts or the talents, right, that, that we have to use our talents Right, so on one hand, it's tempting to say, okay, great, I won't say a word. I'll be quiet to make sure that I don't get drowned at sea. Right? Or, uh, yeah, wait a second, you can't also can't bury your talents. And I knew right. that I had a great desire for it. I, I now firmly, firmly convinced that if someone doesn't know Jesus Christ, it may possibly not even be their fault. It, it might be mine. Like, it, not literally mine, that I'm responsible for the whole world, but the laity... Those who are, you know, Christians, our hearts are belong to Christ already. If we don't tell people, who's going to? Absolutely. We are visiting with a, a doctor, I guess. We've been properly uh, admonished here. <laughs> Dr. Stella Jeffrey. Um, Thank you, Father. Who is uh, employed with uh, Holy Spirit Parish in North Fargo. Uh, Stella, I was thinking of something um, I remember a couple of years ago. The uh, If you think back to the convocation that was held with the Diocese of Fargo in Crookston, one of the speakers, uh, Monsignor Thomas Richter, who is no stranger to uh, Real Presence Radio, had spoken about how people are sometimes inclined to turn evangelization into some monster, something that is just, uh, you know, unwieldy, unwieldy uh, overbearing, that uh, is, is very intimidating. Um, can, you, can you speak to that sense and um, uh, what uh, kind of response you would give when people have that um, sensation within themselves? Sure. I think Father's, Father um, Leffer, you hit on it in, in with the initial comment about what would, 
what would make someone act in such a ridiculous way, right? I didn't say ridiculous. <laughs> I can't remember what word you said, but the sentiment was definitely there. Yep, yep. I don't. I, Maybe I, crazy. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> I think that that does scare people. The thought of going door to door. People are called to do that. I'm convinced of that. But mostly, I think we need to take stock of our life and say, who is in our lives? Who do we interact with in our work, in our play, in our prey? Right? Where and who are these people? Right? And to encounter them. So the monster comes when I think of, when we think, hey, I have to go and talk to everybody constantly about Jesus. That isn't, that it can be, we'll say, simplified to, who is in your life? Who do you interact with? I have, um, for a time last summer, actually for probably the last few years, I have been selling eggs out of my house for a group of neighbors and um, just that kind of thing. And my husband, he's like, why are you doing this? I'm like, well, it gives me a chance to meet some of my neighbors. And he's, you don't even, like you have to buy eggs from a farmer and then Pass them out to our neighbors, like who come and then pay for them. You know, like making no profit. I'm like, I'm not doing here. I thought that. your here. I thought your husband had a whole uh, flock of Chicken, chickens chicken in the backyard. No, no. <laughs> so and he he invented a term called egg evangelization, which is, I mean, that's the thing is it really. <laughs> it's just it's a sentiment that reflects that it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you have this intention of sharing the gospel with the people that are coming into your lives. Um, okay, so I, got, I have two kind of precise questions for you, and I think we, we can handle one on this side of the break. And, and the first one is, um, I think oftentimes people get confused. Maybe the word isn't confused, but they don't know the difference. And, and I think it's very important to develop the difference here, and you're, you're the exact person to do it. What is the difference between catechesis and evangelization? Why... Why is there a difference, and why do we need both? How, do, how, how does this work? All right. You're hitting on a, a subject that, we'll say, in um, ecclesial circles and academic circles, they debate that definition all along the way. Um, evangelization has come to be a term that's been used so broadly that it almost means nothing. Right? Um, when I'm using evangelization, I'm talking about that, and not just me. If, if you read into some of the catechetical documents, right, they will distinguish the evangelization moment and the catechesis, right? Evangelization is that initial announcement of the gospel. That that person would say, what? You mean God loves me? I, my sin problem can be taken care of? Jesus Christ can do that and I can know him? I mean, those that would be the very basic evangelization message. I would guess that most Catholics have that, at least have heard those things because they know the creed. Catechesis would be to take this basic gospel message, and then develop it in, in a deeper and deeper way, right? Um, to yeah. come to understand how these doctrines are connected, how our moral life reflects what God has revealed to us, you know, how, um, I don't know, how Mary is tied into this whole mix, right? But the evangelization portion is that, I just say, the initial stirring of the heart to Jesus Christ. And we'll be talking more about the importance of evangelization in today's church and in the context of today's world as we continue our conversation with Stella Jeffrey. And uh, we'll resume this conversation on the other side of the break. There's more Real Presence Live coming up right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. 
Right here in your backyard, Mount Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible, and we hope the future brings you here, close to home, at mountmarty.edu. How can you know for sure that your loved one is in heaven? Well, the short answer is you can't. I'm Father Chris Alar, but you can have confident hope that they are saved because no matter when or how they died, even by suicide, you can pray and make sacrifices now to still help them accept God's final offer of grace. Jesus told St. Faustina, Call upon my mercy on behalf of sinners. I desire their salvation. When you pray with faith on behalf of some sinner, I will give him the grace of conversion. Wow, if you desire heaven for someone, God desires it even more. So do your part to help them get there. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross joining you. And a time of the year when I know, especially around here, a lot of people are kicking up dust and uh, harvesting their wheat crops. Um, much of that, I think, has already taken place west of us, as they tend to be a little bit ahead of us. Yeah, so. in my area, it is it is full bore, and, and it's also the first day of school for many of our, our listeners. Yes, yes, including my hometown, that's their first day of school today, and we're praying for the students, for the faculty, that everything remains as, as safe and tranquil as possible for those who are uh, launching into in-person education. We're visiting with Stella Jeffrey and talking about evangelization and and uh, Stella, I wanted to just refer back to the experience that you had uh, growing up. Uh, your home parish was uh, my mom's home parish, where she had grown up, St. Boniface in Kintyre. And uh, I think of the kind of the close-knit uh, nature of that community. I mean, no no uh, faith community is perfect, you know, as it goes, but um, some 30 to 40 households, give or take, and uh, working together. Could you share with us how that um, experience and growing up maybe has nourished uh, your understanding of what evangelization is and can be? Yes, um, you're right. That was a as I get older, it's more and more, I think, how incredibly rare that opportunity is. I grew up in that small parish. There's probably about 50 families, and everybody was Catholic, all all my neighbors, right? And then the town that I went to school was in Napoleon, and there, too, I mean, it was it was rare for even our teachers to not be Catholic. 
and even though it was a public school. So we just had this very extensive Catholic community that surrounded us, and it's like, it's like there was a common culture that we shared. Um, as now, as years have gone by, it's, it becomes even more noticeable that, you know, they really, I remember a story where someone was working on Sunday, and Father hadn't said we could, I'm sure it was probably harvest season, and my dad called him and, and asked, you know, why are you doing this? And if, if um, whatever you're going to do today, I'll help you tomorrow, right, if you would just stop today. I mean, th- that kind of, and my dad was probably not the only person that did that kind of thing, but to be in a community like that is incredible to, to witness and to reflect on, and I suppose hope for really that it's but it's difficult to have that happen in larger and larger places you know i, I always tell uh, my farmers that uh those beans that they harvest are sun- on sunday are called sunday beans they all belong to the church so, <laughs> the, the, you know and okay so here, here's a, a second burning question that i'd like you to develop for us so recently in in kind of the um the technology sphere and the social communication there's been I'll use the word a, a, a battle or disagreement or maybe a challenge. And, and Bishop Barron has kind of been at the heart of this with some some blog Catholic bloggers and Bishop Barron and so forth. But and it comes down to the heart of evangelization or kind of what it's about. And and it's almost like there's a you know for for you. Dr. Jeffrey and for Father Gross and myself, we we consistently, we were raised in this environment of new evangelization that came to us from Pope John Paul II. And like this inspiration is on fire, the World Youth Days, the door-to-door evangelization, the small prayer groups, all these things that all of us have taken part in and, and rejoiced in. And uh, Bishop Barron, he's, he's really big in new evangelization. That's kind of his kind of big thing. But then recently there's been a lot of, uh, I'd say more traditionally minded Catholics, or especially in the blogosphere and so forth, they're kind of pointing out like maybe some flaws in the new evangelization or, and I think it comes down maybe to, there's like, we could say a battle between like tradition or traditional faith or traditional expressions of faith and then what's called enculturation, right? And and trying to set aside those things to meet with people who who maybe aren't familiar with the traditional things. And it seems like there's this kind of tension within the church rising and almost like and instead of like trying to work together and have the best of all worlds it's almost like one's better than the other or or you know could you speak to that kind of tension a little bit and why that exists or how how does this work when we talk about evangelization okay i'm i'm hearing in your question father a couple different areas um so one is i think what you're you're you can correct me if i'm i'm not getting at what you're thinking of is that there is some expressions that are like focusing more on, you know, it being in person with people and um, we'll say the prayer groups, the door to door, and then also this movement for what I like a reclaiming of, of the sacred, um, like more traditional masses, Eucharistic adoration. Is that what you're talking about? Right. It, it's, almost, okay. it's almost like you can only have one or the other. Either either you reclaim kind of the traditional things and, and sacred things, or and I think it has to do with the enculturation, you know, where traditional things are set aside and there's newer expressions of faith or whatever, and somehow they can't figure out how to coexist mm-hmm. together or okay. they're at odds with each other. So what I, I am sort of thinking on the fly here is that uh, probably starting in the late 1970s and 80s, 
we began to hear this term new evangelism, or we began to see written in church documents this call for a new evangelization. The newness wasn't that it was a new gospel or anything like that. The newness was particularly directed towards those countries where the, we'll say, the small town, small church faith life that I grew up with was being lost or forgotten and were like running on the steam of a Christian or Catholic culture. Right. And mm-hmm. so then what we're suffering from now, I mean, it's like 40 years later. Right? And what we're suffering from now is that maybe the steam is running out and we are losing things in so many, or losing, losing direct firsthand witness of both our, the ways that we used to pray, the ways that we were a, com- a Catholic community, the ways that we just sort of by osmosis almost knew the faith. We knew how to be Catholic. And so I think all these groups, however disparate they might seem, are striving for this wholeness that's going to evangelize, right, the whole person, not just in in our devotional life, but in our whole life, what we, how we live, how we work, how we play, you know, uh, how we interact with our neighbors, just the whole entire piece. And that is something that needs to be taken up not just in our well, sorry, spiritual lives or what we can't see, it needs to be taken up in our, our physical lives as well. I don't know if that kind of helps. Uh, but we just have a few minutes left with you here, Stella, and uh, one of the things we wanted to get at is um, the understanding of hospitality, how that can contribute to effective evangelization. Are there any maybe um, scriptural examples or, or other sorts of things that come to your mind in terms of how to um, uh, incorporate that idea of hospitality in the work of evangelization? Yes, I I saw the question on the, the script this morning, and I was like, what? Like, oh, wait, I do know a verse. It's actually from Romans 15, 7. And it, it, it says, uh, Welcome one another, therefore, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And if we think about how Jesus Christ has welcomed us, he welcomed us all in. He became us, right? God became man. And he, he didn't withhold a single thing. Right? And then he takes up all of humanity, all of the goodness, all the beauty, all the truthfulness, and makes a return gift to the Father, right? So when, we, when I'm thinking of hospitality, I'm thinking uh, all-in welcome, like we read from St. Paul. And I think is, that's kind of the, the heart, say, the Benedictine spirituality as well, is like that when somebody knocks at the door, you open that door and you, you let them into the storehouse. You welcome them in as if they're their family. And I think that happens first before you ever speak about Christ or, or the gospel. Right. I think another thing that happens is that our hearts, I mean, when I say our, I'm referring to Catholics who, who are familiar with the teachings of the church, we could say, who know Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Our hearts have to actually desire hearts or desire souls for Christ too. We can't just be like, oh, well, you know, that's up to them. It's their opinion, right? We, we just we can we can pray for that zeal for the Holy Spirit to just fill us and and just help us just not. <laughs> I know we rest in Christ, right? But like, but to not let us like ever flag in our zeal for sharing the gospel and for our neighbor, right? For our friends, for our coworkers, 
for the people we see at the elevator, for just anybody that we encounter that we just desire it so passionately we can't be stopped. You know, the thought that comes to me is that often there's this tension between knowledge and relationship. Like, faith is based on knowledge and knowing, and the other one is like, or no, it's relationship, and it doesn't matter what you know it's about. But I think of like Mother Teresa, she comes to my mind because she was often, her, her critics would criticize her, like, you know, what, what is she doing with the Hindus or the Muslims or the, or the pagans, or she treats them just as if they were Christians or what have, as if somehow that was wrong. But I mean, she didn't care who you were or what your creed was. If you had some need, she would meet you in the need. She would walk with you in that need. And and I don't even know, you know, did many of those people ever become Christian or think about it, but she loved them into eternal life just like she would her brother and sister Christians. And I, maybe that's a great example of what evangelizing through hospitality or hospitality and evangelization. Yes, and I, I doubt that she thought to herself, hmm, a Hindu, oh, I wonder... Oh, is this really going to be worth my time? I'm not even sure if I'm going to live long enough, right? <laughs> to, you know, she just, again, she just she, gave her she, life and said, hey. She saw Jesus in every human being, no matter what, if you were baptized or not. Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, she is an example of, of religious, and I know that both of you, your hearts have been set on fire, but think of the number of laity. We just absolutely are in places that, you all won't be. Actually, every single one of us are in places that another person won't be. We're in relationships that another person won't be. Right? They, right. And we can think of those as, those are the places that God has said, you know, open your hearts, right? Be hospitable. Welcome them. Welcome others. Yeah. As uh, St. Matthew says in chapter 25 of his gospel, to not bury the talents, but to invest them and to use them for the good of others. So, uh, Stella Jeffrey, thank you so much. It's been wonderful visiting with you, and blessings to you and your thank continued you. lay ministry. And blessings to you, too, fathers. You guys are wonderful. Thanks. Thank you very much. Well, up next after this break, call in with your questions for Straight Talk, 877-795-0122, with any questions that you may have about the faith or about our topsy-turvy world today. And later this morning, we'll be exploring a great work of literature for young adults. Stay tuned as Real Real Presence Live continues right after this.